It is Friday. Let's party. Let's do it. Let's get going from uh, Riverwind Casino here on a Friday. Love being out here. Teddy Lehman's going to be out here, by the way, later at 3 o'clock today as well here at uh, Riverwind Casino where the uh, renovation continues. They are getting close to being complete. Uh, with the renovation, I got to tell you, the areas out here that have been uh, remodeled look fabulous, as you would expect. Riverwind does everything first class. And again, they always have the best promotions out here. They recently give away five trips to the Super Bowl. They just did it. They gave away five trips to the Super Bowl in the showdown in the desert promotion, which was unbelievable. Five lucky patrons heading out to the uh, Super Bowl, courtesy of our friends here at Riverwind. With uh, their airfare, their hotel, their ground transportation, tickets to the game, everything they need, plus $1,000 in cash. Kind of promotions you always get here at Riverwind Casino. Don't forget about the new member seven. If you come out to Riverwind, make sure you get a wild card. They're free. You get $5 in bonus play right off the bat. And, uh, you know, you are going to have a chance to win uh, you know, any of these drawings they have, you could hear your name called on in the intercom. You can also win up to $450 in one day. Find out more at Riverwind.com. Tonight at Steak Night at the River Buffet. Tomorrow night at Seafood Night. On Sunday, a big-time brunch will be served. Come on out to Riverwind Casino, your one-stop shop for entertainment and winning Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Parker Thune, one of the best as well. How are we doing on this Friday? Doing well, Steely. You know, I don't frequent Riverwind uh, just because generally I've got a lot of other things filling up my evenings these days. But I tell you what, my roommate was out there last weekend, and he got back at maybe 10, 1030 on a Friday night, which was pretty early. And I asked him, well, how'd things go out there, Riverwind? He said, well, I won 2600 bucks and decided to get on out while the getting was good. So just goes to there show you, you go. what you're in for Smart if you drop roommate. in at Riverwind. Yeah, and like I said, our niece came here for the holidays, came to Riverwind on consecutive nights, and uh, one of her $4,000. So her holidays were very happy. They were, they were going to be happy anyway, but uh, they were extra supreme happy with her winnings here at Riverwind. Justin, the GM, the marketing team out here, they do a fantastic job. Good people, great promotions, great environment, just always a good time out here at Riverwind, and it's only getting better now with the renovation. All right, hey, uh, Parker, Clayton Smith finally finds a home. He's headed to Arizona State, so that is the Sooners' first defensive departee that signs with a Power 5 school. We talked about Theo Weiss going to Missouri, Nick Evers to Wisconsin, and uh, Clayton Smith, who was highly recruited out of the state of Texas as an edge-rushing prospect, now will be in Tempe with Arizona State. Yeah, not terribly shocking there. Arizona State's a program that, due to the turnover that they've had on the coaching staff, uh, as well as personnel-wise when you're talking about the roster this offseason. They're trying to bring in anybody and everybody. So a guy like Clayton Smith, former top 50 overall prospect, hasn't done a whole heck of a lot at the collegiate level, but in terms of big names, in terms of splash additions, and in terms of guys that, uh, while they don't have the production uh, to their name yet at the collegiate level, you still think, okay, maybe there's a pretty good chance if we treat this guy right, if we develop him properly, then we could get some good football out of him. It makes sense for Arizona State. It certainly makes sense for Clayton Smith because the kid gets a fresh start. It was just never going to happen for him 
and Norman, especially not with P.J. Adabare and Taylor Wine coming in. Both those guys I expect to be big-time football players, and P.J. sooner rather than later. But when you had R. Mason Thomas, Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, Marcus Stripling already in the fold off the edge, Clayton Smith was kind of the odd man out. And so good to see him land on his feet as Arizona at Arizona State, rather. And uh, we'll be curious to see how quickly he can crack the rotation out there in the desert because that roster, you want to talk about flipping a roster. Brent Venables has done it at Oklahoma, but what Kenny Dillingham is tasked with doing at Arizona State might be an even taller task. Yeah, I, I think you look at uh, Clayton Smith, and again, man, you talk about a guy who uh, who looked the part, right? He's one of those guys that you thought, and, and you know, everybody's high school highlight tape looks unbelievable, but you thought this guy's going to have a chance to play and be a playmaker at Oklahoma. Never materialized for him, but in the right place, in the right system, with a little less talent, maybe a lot less talent on that roster at Arizona State, I wouldn't rule out, you know, Clayton Smith becoming a player there and making some plays for the Sun Devils. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. I did see your tweet about 30 minutes ago. OU Football tweeted out the video of, uh, you know, all the weightlifting stuff going on with the, uh, the early enrollees and what they're going on with weight training right now. And, uh, you know, those, those weight training videos, there's a lot of testosterone popping and they're yelling and screaming. I, personally, I don't like those very much. And I'll tell you why, Parker. Because I can't lift that much. And the fact that I have to struggle to take the Ozarka, uh, tanks to our mudroom. And that's very difficult in itself to do that. So I'm very envious. Uh, you know, when I see these guys pumping this much iron. But I love the pick. You you caught a pick, P.J. Atabare, in the background, had like a a grin on his face, like, I can't get, can't wait to get to the weight machine. And uh, people are going to be excited uh, to see that young man in action, no doubt. Uh, he could be a guy that could make an impact, you know, as early as, as next year, maybe obviously this spring, in the spring game. He's got that kind of ability as a five-star guy, but... Uh, these guys are getting uh, their early indoctrination now, at least in the weight room with Jerry Schmidt. Yeah, and PJ's a guy that physically, with where he's at right now, doesn't need a whole lot packed onto his frame to be able to compete. Much like our Mason Thomas in that regard, he's going to get bigger, he's going to get a lot stronger, but just by virtue of his speed and sheer mass and length in year one, that's a guy that's going to see the field and probably see the field a lot. I was, It was fun watching that video. And seeing the energy that Champ Sanders brings to the table because he's a guy that has already become a fan favorite on OU Twitter. But to see him already week one for him on campus in the weight room, cheering on, encouraging his guys, uh, the loudest voice in that video by far. Uh, he's only a three-star, sure, and he's only about 6'1", 270 pounds right now. But I think the sheer ball of energy that Ashton Sanders is uh, is something that's going to get Sooner fans really, really excited in the years to come. Yeah, we've talked about it. Obviously, this 2023 class has a chance to be very special. I mean, you never know how a class is going to going to pan out will they live up to the the billing you know will the five stars play like five stars will the four stars be four stars maybe you have some some three stars who end up playing like five stars you never know but certainly on paper it looks really good and with Cormani McLean the number one quarterback 
in a cornerback in the class, flipping from Miami to uh, Coach Prime in Colorado yesterday. The Sooners' 2023 class moves up to number four nationally now, right? That's right, and how about that? that that's what we call a passive rise because Oklahoma didn't really do anything to change its status among the 2023 class, but Deion Sanders finally manages to pull off the flip of Cormani McLean, who's going to be headed up to Boulder now, and the class that Miami pieced together still looks really good. They still got two of the top three offensive tackles in the nation uh, committed in that class in Samson Okunlola and Francis Mauagoa, but yeah, Oklahoma suddenly within, well, they were already within the top five, uh, but suddenly there they sit at number four, and it does make you wonder if everything falls just so with the final rankings update, particularly on 24-7 as we get ready for the last cycle of updates here over the next two weeks, is there any more room for Oklahoma to move upward? Yeah, we'll we'll find out, uh, but uh, that was the news yesterday. The Sooners do uh, jump past Miami, number four nationally, uh, in terms of their 2023 class. All right, uh, a little more football right here. we got a busy show today. Speaking of Coach Prime, we're going to bring on uh, George Stoya, who is working for the Denver Gazette, and uh, talk a little bit about the buzz about Coach Prime in Colorado, and we'll talk some Sooner sports. George is an OU grad completely, uh, you know, following OU football as well. Really good young writer. He'll join us at 1235 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, and then we'll have our uh, regular Friday conversation with Brandon Drum of OUinsider.com coming up at 135 today uh, here on Steelman and Thune. Chris Blank, man, consummate pro, consummate pro, and, you know, not, he's got a million different radio shows because everybody wants Chris Blank on their station. But he has that Big 12 show on uh, Sirius XM that he does. And uh, the other day they had Chris Lowe of ESPN on, and uh, they asked him about the rumors. You know, Bill O'Brien is still the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban at Alabama. But the speculation is that Bill O'Brien will be headed back to the NFL. We'll see if that materializes, but that's certainly the speculation, which means that Nick Saban would be in the market for a new offensive coordinator, and Jeff Levy's name has been tossed around for a lot of openings and would certainly be in the mix if that happens in Tuscaloosa. Here is what Chris Lowe told Plank yesterday about Jeff Levy and uh, potentially Alabama on Plank's Sirius XM Big 12 show. He would he would do that. I wouldn't say it's that he definitely wouldn't do it, but I would think he would be somebody. If I were Nick Saban, uh, he would certainly be on my list to call uh, a, a guy like Jeff Levy. I think mean, Colin Clyde's another one in the Big Twelve. A lot of people like uh, did a really good job. You know, typically, when Saban hires defensive coordinators, they come from within his tree, guys who either work for him or know his defense. Or he's gone out of the box a little bit though to hire offensive coordinators. Uh, you know, he brought. Remember, he goes. He goes and gets Brian Dable at a time when Dable was really unknown. He was a tight ends coach with the Patriots. He comes in to Alabama, and the rest is history. Uh, so he's been a lot more willing to go outside the quote unquote tree or family of the box and hire somebody. And Levy would would, would be one of those hires. But I I, uh, I just have a hard time speaking for Jeff. I don't know that he would want to leave Oklahoma after just one year. 
There you go. That's our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now that brand new Tri City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. The full service clinics do an unbelievable job treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. We talked about this a little bit the other day. I, I, I know again the allure of Nick Saban in Alabama, and it is very strong, but I still think uh, Jeff Levy has that OU DNA, and I just, unless. It is a raise that you just, you know, you you got the offer and you thought, wow, you know, I just can't turn this down. Unless that's the case, I just don't see him leaving Oklahoma and Brent Venables, particularly at this stage in the development of the program. No, particularly not because he's an Oklahoma alum, and that's what people forget about Jeff Levy. Look, yeah, he's a rising star in the coaching profession. Yeah, he's had opportunities to be a head coach already that he has turned down. And yes, there will continue to be head coaching opportunities that come his way over the next few off seasons. I don't know how long you have Jeff Levy at Oklahoma. Could be another year. Could be another five years. Who's to say? He's not going to be around forever. Certainly not as offensive coordinator. It's a matter of when, not if, he takes the next step. But to me, I think the next step for Jeff Levy is a head coaching gig, not a lateral move in terms of title and responsibilities the way that becoming the offensive coordinator at Alabama would be. Even though it's a more prestigious gig going Oklahoma to Alabama, I don't know that Jeff Lebby is going to be willing to make a move like that for a coordinator position as opposed to a head coaching gig. I'm with you, and on that note, we'll take our opening timeout. We also want to thank uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need that furnace worked on right now. Maybe you're thinking about the A.C. when the summer rolls around. Get that tune-up done now. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. It's Friday. Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Coming back, we'll hear from Porter Moser on the matchup with Baylor tomorrow. That's next right here on the Ref. All right. I love it. I still love that Porter bumper. Sing it one more time, Johnny, would you, for Porter? Here we go. Tomorrow at 3 o'clock is the time, Johnny. Tomorrow, 3 o'clock, ESPN2. The Sooners hosting the Baylor Bears. You get the 4 for 40 deal happening tomorrow where you can get four tickets. See the Sooner men take on... Baylor tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And in the OU women for Bedlam, Gina Baranchek and company leading the league with a 5-1 and one record, 15-2 and two overall, one of the top teams uh, in the country. She's done a great job. That's a 6 o'clock tip on ESPN+. Plus. So the 4 for 40 tickets are uh, going, you know, quickly. Get yours tomorrow. Be at the Lloyd Noble Center for that double header. Now, as for Oklahoma, of course, a tough loss to Oklahoma State. Now you got a Baylor team. You know, Baylor started 0-3, an inauspicious start to the conference season for the Baylor Bears. A 15-point loss at Iowa State, then a one-point home loss to TCU, then a two-point overtime home loss to Kansas State, 97-95. So Baylor starts out in the league 0-3 with two home court losses. But they have rebounded to win three in a row. Got a great guard trio. Uh, that we can talk about. But let's hear Porter Moser talking about his team trying to bounce back. Porter said this morning with T. Rowe, uh, he and uh, the Sooner squad trying to put that OSU loss right now in the rearview mirror. You know, the only the only way you can, you know, go forward is, is with all these games is is to come in just pushing as hard as you can to get better, pushing your, to, to stay believing and getting better. But, 
you know, Toby, I, I was really, we came in the first half. We did a lot of things we wanted to. Uh, we had a four, six point lead. We held them to like 24 points at half in that arena, in that atmosphere. And, uh, we came out in the second half, and you, if you look at our offense, we made nine of the first 14 shots. It's just we gave up 50 points in the second half. It was our worst half of defense. And you, you got to it, – it was a mixture of us and a mixture of them just completely going downhill. They were on a, they were on a complete run, um, making shots, playing really fast. Our transition D wasn't what it normally is. And, uh, and they were making shots. I mean, they opened up the half with a guy making a three that has one all year. A couple minutes later, a kid who's got three all year hit a three, and they just their confidence went through the roof. We gave them their confidence, and we never could get it stopped in the second half, and that was what was disappointing. You know, you, you have a four six point lead, you come out and make nine of your first fourteen shots, you think you're in pretty good shape, but it just goes to show you, man, in this league you've got to defend, especially when a team's at home on a run like that. And we didn't do it. We didn't get the job done. I'm really disappointed, and uh, um, but now you, you you don't have time to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. You don't have time to sit there and and think of different things. The only thing we can think about is all day is Baylor. Is what we could have got better in the second half, yes, of Wednesday. And then now we got to go play the number two offense in the country with three of the best guard tandems in the country. Yeah, and you're looking at uh, Keontae George, the freshman out of Louisville, who's uh, averaging almost 18 points a game. You've got Adam Flagler right around 16 a game, L.J. Cryer at 14. So that Baylor trio of guards, very difficult to deal with. Parker Thune, you know, you think for the Sooners to get to the tournament, and, uh, and Joey Brackett's last, uh, you know, update, he had the Sooners just in, but... You know, with the Oklahoma State loss, you think they're certainly back, maybe in the first four outs in that range uh, with the new update. But you're probably going to have to get to 7-11 and 11 in the nation's toughest league to get to the tournament, maybe in that range. And that means you need five more wins. And, you know, looking at, at this conference, five wins is going to be tough to come by. But one way to do it is protecting your home court. And this Baylor team is not the national championship team of a couple years ago, but they're still talented. But this is a winnable game for the Sooners if they come out and play well. And it would be huge. Well, and as you look at the schedule the rest of the way, Steely, it seems like we have this conversation on a nearly annual basis with OU basketball over the last few years. If they're going to make a tournament run, if they're going to put themselves in position to make the field of 68 – down the stretch here, they're going to have to win a few regular season games that they probably shouldn't win against teams that are probably more talented than them on paper. So it's going to come down to resilience. It's going to come down to fight. It's going to have to come down to confidence in the individual and in one another. And we're going to see how good of a coach Porter Moser is uh, over the last month, month and a half of Big 12 play heading into the tournament because – uh, this Sooner basketball team needs momentum in the worst way. And I think when you look at some of the teams that Porter took to the NCAA tournament at Loyola, uh, especially that those two teams that went to the Final Four in 2018 and the Sweet 16 in 2021, and those weren't terribly talented basketball teams as far as elite scoring ability or ball handling ability, or any of the things that we've conventionally come to regard as talent on the hardwood. But what they did do is they played together. They played cohesively. They were a team. And right now it feels like, I mentioned this yesterday, with Oklahoma it feels like you got a whole bunch of players and not much of a team. And that's what's got to be addressed. That's what's got to be fixed here down the stretch 
if Oklahoma is going to put themselves back in position to make the field of 68. Yeah, and uh, how about winning the next two Saturday games at home? They'd be huge. First of all, Baylor tomorrow, 3 o'clock, and you know who they have coming in uh, the next Saturday? Alabama, you know, top ten team in the country. And if the Sooners could protect the home floor the next couple weeks, that would help them immensely. They sandwiched in between. They have to go to uh, TCU on Tuesday night. And uh, TCU is to play in Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow at noon on CBS, so they'll probably be coming off a loss, and they just lost to West Virginia, so probably will not be in the best mood. But, uh, again, somehow if you can get this Baylor win tomorrow, which I think it is a winnable game for Oklahoma, if you make plays and uh, make your free throws and do the little things like they did against West Virginia and like they did uh, in Lubbock against Texas Tech, you can win this game. And then you've got, again, Alabama coming to the LNC um saturday january 28th a week from tomorrow uh rest of the big 12 tomorrow you have again the sooners and baylor at three o'clock and by the way i want to remind you again we have a pregame show for you right here on the ref tomorrow at 405 burger bar in the heart of main street tomorrow 405 burger bar big buns real meat Talking about 405 Burger Bar, 1 to 2.30. So come by, have a great lunch before you head over to the LNC. Hopefully you take advantage of that 4 for 40 ticket offer because you can see the the Baylor and Souter men's matchup, followed by at 6 o'clock, Bedlam for the ladies, Cowgirls and the Sooners at 6 o'clock at Lloyd Noble Center. And that's an ESPN Plus game, by the way. Uh, the Sooner-Baylor matchup, 3 o'clock on ESPN2, but you can come out and get both games in. But stop by 405 Burger Bar on Main Street uh, for our pregame show tomorrow from 1 to 2.30 right here on the ref. you got TCU at Kansas, noon on CBS. Iowa State at Oklahoma State, 1 o'clock, ESPN Plus game there. Tech goes to Kansas State, ESPN2, 1 o'clock. And you have Texas playing at West Virginia, 5 o'clock on ESPN. Nationally tomorrow, you've got uh, – UCLA at Arizona, that's a 1 o'clock tip on ABC. Bruins number 5, Arizona number 11 in the country. Bama, by the way, plays at Missouri. Might be interesting to see what happens in that game tomorrow, 5 o'clock. That is an SEC Network telecast. I'm here at Riverwind Casino. New gaming areas. Every electronic gaming machine is still here, but there are three new gaming areas while the renovation continues. Skybridge, connecting the uh, casino to the hotel. Showplace Theater, which is a non-smoking gaming area right now. It won't be long before the Showplace Theater is open. Exciting news there, by the way. And we also have gaming machines in the River Lounge area. So come on out. All the gaming machines are here. All your opportunities to win are still here. They're spread out a little bit. But i got to tell you, the, the parts of the uh, the building here that look uh, amazing, well, they've been remodeled, and they look even better than they uh, they did before. It's it's really nice out here. So in the Showplace Theater, when it reopens, it's a great concert venue. One of the first shows out, Earth, Wind, and Fire. No announcement officially yet as to the date and all of that stuff, but be looking for that. You'll want to scoop up some tickets quickly for that concert. That'll be a great show. Let's take a break right here. When we come back, we'll visit with George Stoya, former Sooner alum, nationally award-winning student uh, sports writer. And we'll talk to George about what's going on in Denver with Coach Prime and Colorado. We'll talk some Sooner football as well. We We probably have to ask him about Russell Wilson as well. Stay with us here on The Ref. There's a song right there that will never get old. Am I nerdy? Of course I am, but I love me some John Denver. I mean, you got to love 
that song. That's a great song. All right, welcome back. Joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, ladies and gentlemen, is the one and only George Stoya, Denver Gazette. Georgie, how we doing? I'm good. I like the uh, intro music there with John Denver. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Well, that's the work of uh, Parker Thune right there back in studio. And I must say, ladies and gentlemen, right now we have oh, an extremely – an extremely dynamic duo on the air because I've said that George, probably the best I've seen come out of the uh, J School and the Prince side in a long time, and Parker got to be one of the best I've seen in a long time coming out, uh, you know, the electronic side from the uh, journalism school. So you basically have, can we call them the Durant and Westbrook of the OUJ School back in the day, or I don't know. Oh, boy, who's Durant but, and who's Westbrook, I, Steely? That's, I, I don't know. Say, I think I, <laughs> I think that makes me Kevin Durant since I left. Oh, okay. Well, maybe, but I don't know. Parker doesn't seem to be as moody as Russell Westbrook. You, you pretty much get a solid effort every day. So we'll just call you guys both uh, stars, young stars. How about that? Uh, let's talk, George, about buzz around Coach Prime in Colorado football. I've always liked it when Colorado's good in football. Um and they've been just in shambles for a long time now. But, man, I tell you what, you bring in Deion Sanders, you immediately get attention. Yesterday they get the number one quarter cornerback in the 2023 class, Cormani McClain, to flip from Miami uh, to Colorado. We all expect that Travis Hunter is going to fall follow uh, Deion uh, to Boulder as well. But what about the buzz around the program right now? It's got to be uh, pretty evident out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is a city and, and really a state that that's really a, a, an NFL fan base, right? When you talk about obviously the success the Broncos are, are typically you know used to, uh, th- this is a Broncos town and, and uh, you know a fan base that really rallies around that. But since Dion's come, and, and obviously you talk about the Broncos not playing well the last you know seven years now since they won the Super Bowl, uh, I think there's a lot of people excited about what's going on in Boulder, and I, I think that. Uh, it, it's several things, right? Like it, the the problem with Colorado football the last several years, at least from my understanding, is there hasn't been a ton of support from the school and the administration down there uh, to really support any of the athletics. And so for them to go out and get a guy like Deion Sanders, who's come in and kind of re-energized the program and obviously gone out and gotten a ton of guys in the transfer portal, as well as obviously recruit one of their better classes that they've had in, in recent history, I think that, uh, people are excited. Now, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, right? Uh, I think that there is uh, potential for them to have a lot of success, right, under, under Dion. I think there's also potential for this thing to totally flop. Um, it's going to be – I don't think there's really an in-between. And, and I know that there's a lot of talk about, well, they brought in all this talent and stuff. And they did, but uh, their talent level is still not at, at the same place uh, as some of these other schools. And I think they're also – uh, playing in a league, and I know we, we often you know, make fun of the Pac-12 or, or say they're not on the same level as some of these other conferences. I look at the Pac-12 next season, uh, and you talk about obviously USC has some guys coming back, uh, UCLA, Washington, Utah, Oregon. I mean, it, they're going to be a pretty solid conference next year, so I don't think that they have a particularly easy schedule. So uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out, but Definitely the fan base is ramped back up. I expect that place to be packed. I mean, it's a beautiful campus down there. I, I don't know if you've been there, Steely, but it's it's phenomenal. And I, I don't know why kids wouldn't want to go play in a place like Boulder. But 
uh, and their facilities are, are fantastic. So uh, I think that it, it can be successful, but it's going to be interesting to see if Dion can keep the momentum going, especially if, you know, next year I know there's a lot of high expectations, but, you know, I, I think that the reality is if they go 6-6, six and six, that would be an extremely successful year. I mean, they, they were 1-11. and 11. They were arguably one of the worst teams uh, in, in all of football last year and definitely maybe the worst team in Power 5 last year. So, uh, I think all of that said, I, I think the expectations maybe need to be tempered a bit. Okay, George, you hit on something really interesting there that I'd like if you could elaborate a little bit more on because I think you're exactly right. Uh, you talked about the chance that this just completely flops, this Deion Sanders experiment in Colorado. Right now there's so much hype that that's, I think, a narrative and a storyline that's been ignored, that you know, there's so much, <laughs> so much novelty to this hire that – yeah, it's going to be a challenge, and there's a world in which it's a lot more of a challenge than anybody's anticipating it being at Colorado. So in a world where this totally flops, what does that look like? And then also in year one, you mentioned you think 6-6 six and six would be a hugely successful year, but if they go 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, whatever, if they're hovering somewhere around 500, is that a successful season in the eyes of the rest of the nation that maybe doesn't have as close of a look as somebody like you does at what the program has been the last few years and where they've ranked among the programs in the Pac-12 and in the national spectrum? Yeah, I think for, for nationally, I think it's one of those things that the people that know what they're talking about, I think if, if, if they saw them go 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five, you know, next year, I think that people – that to understand the game and understand how hard it is to, to turn a roster over so quickly, we'll, we'll say it's a successful season. Now, other people outside of it, maybe not. But I think here, too, I think the expectation, obviously people are excited, but people around the fan base obviously know that, that he has a long road ahead of him in terms of turning this program around. Uh, this isn't going to be a TCU situation, right, where uh, you know Dion walks in and next year they're playing the college football playoff. That's not going to happen. I know that that's uh, probably the goal there, but that, that's just not going to happen. In terms of it flopping, I think that the biggest concern for Colorado right now, they're landing all these guys, right, and, and, and that's great, and, and, and that's a large part because kids want to come play for Deion Sanders, and, and I, I totally get that. But if it flops, I think it's because I don't think there's a ton of NIL uh, you know, around this program, which I think is going to be huge for successful programs going forward, right? I mean, you guys know that at Oklahoma. NIL is going to play a big a big part in that. And, and like I said earlier, the administration, I know they went out and they got Deion Sanders, but I still think there's some holdup there in terms of supporting the football program, especially in the way that I'm sure Dion wants it to be supported. So that's kind of my concern is, yeah, Dion can get some of these kids in here, but can he do it at a consistent basis? And if they don't win right away, are, are the Travis Hunters of the world going to continue to come to a place like Colorado if they're not winning? So I think that that's, that's the, the flop potentials. If they go out next year, let's say they, they have a 3-9 you know, season, a 4-8 and uh, you know, eight season, something like that. It, you know, and, and, again, that could happen and, and things could be heading in the right direction, but are kids really going to want to go play there? And if they're not getting paid, what, say, uh, a, a Miami, right? I mean, the kid that flipped from Miami, I'm sure, is not going to get paid the same amount of NIL money at Colorado as he was at Miami. He's going there to play for Deion Sanders because he's a cornerback and he's one of the best in the country at it. So I, that's my level of concern is, is are all these kids going to end up doing that? I also want to see, you know, can he continue to recruit, um, you know, quarterbacks? Obviously his son's coming in. Um, you know, I think his son's a nice player. Is he 
going to win the Heisman next year. I know there's people talking about that. I, I, I find that hard to believe. I'm not even sure this guy is on the same level as, as a Dylan Gabriel, and, and I think Dylan, Dylan is, is a really nice player. But, you know, I, I want to see him compete against uh, some of these Power 5 conferences. And, again, um, some of these teams next year I think are going to be really good in the Pac-12. So it's going to be a tough first year. So that's kind of where I see the flop potential is I really don't know other than the allure of, of playing for a guy like Dion, uh, is there other things at Colorado that's going to support these kids that, that want to go there? George, before we let you go, I know uh, you're still watching the Sooners from afar. Your dad obviously uh, played there, so you, you, you followed the program for a long time. Watching Brent Venable's first year impressions overall, and uh, how confident are you that Brent Venables is still going to get, uh, get this thing turned around and going back in a really good direction? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it was an interesting year. Obviously, they, they didn't um, you know, reach the expectations that I think anybody at Oklahoma expects. With that said, I think that there was a lot of uh, potential there. I think you look at, obviously, the roster turnover, and I know some fans don't want to hear that you know, at a place like Oklahoma, but it's true. I mean, I, I think that when you lose the amount of guys that they did, um, you know, it's going to be tough to win football games. And I think there's also, you know, some fair criticism of Brent in terms of, you know, game management and things like that. But you have to realize this is his first time doing this, right? I mean, I know that he's been a, a, a college football coach for 20-plus years now, but uh, this is his first time try, trying to juggle and, and manage a game and, and do all the things that a head coach has to do. So I think he's only going to get better. Um, you know, as he gets more experience, more games under his belt, managing some of those situations, I think that what gives you what gives you hope is is what he was able to do recruiting wise. And and you guys know this, especially you, Parker. I know you cover it. It's I mean, recruiting is is the is the is the blood life of 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 a program. And and for him to go out and go six and seven and still you know finish with a top five recruiting class is pretty remarkable. And some of the guys that they got on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we haven't seen some of those players. Uh, in Norman in a long time. So that's what gives you hope. I think, you know, going out and getting, um, you know, a good wide receivers coach, coach and Emmett Jones, I think that that was a big-time hire. So I think I, I really like the, the trajectory of the program. I think OU fans, and I'm sure they've heard this a million times, they need to be patient. And I'm not saying next year is going to be same to this last year, but, you know, I think nine, ten wins next year is, is a good expectation. And, and you talk about some of the guys – they went out and got in the portal. I think they did a better job in the portal this year than they did last year. Um, so I, I think that this thing's heading in the right direction. People just, you know, have to be patient and understand that it is a process and it, it's going to take time. But, um, you know, I've said this before. I, I think that uh, Brent is closer to winning a national championship or has a better chance at winning a national championship uh, than maybe Lincoln did. And, and sure, Lincoln might win 10, 11 games every year and, and every once in a while sneak into the college football playoff. But, uh, I like Brent's odds to, to build a program that, that's sustainable for a long time. All right, George, before we let you go, one-word answer to describe Russell Wilson's uh, season with the Broncos. Disaster. <laughs> was, uh, there you go. It was a total disaster. Yeah, man, crazy, absolutely crazy. George, great to catch up with you. We appreciate it. We'll do it again down the road. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. George Stoy at Denver Gazette talking a little Colorado football and some Sooner football as well. Here at Riverwind, 
Mike Steely along with Parker Thune back in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. We are going to take a quick break. You're with the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We'll get to some texts also on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll do that next here on the Ref. We are back. I'm here at Riverwind Casino. Mike Steely here at my home away from home. Parker Thune back in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. Good to have you with us on a Friday, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Why don't we close out this first hour on the text line? Want to do it, Parker? Let's do it. Let's see what the folks are saying. By the way. Uh, It's now been reported that Jaden Rashada, former Florida signee, who's now been released from his national letter of intent, is going to visit Arizona State this weekend as his recruitment opens back up. And again, this is another opportunity for me to remind everyone that if Jackson Arnold had waited two weeks to take his unofficial visit to Oklahoma last winter, Oklahoma would have been the team dealing with the whole Jaden Rashada fiasco. So. How about that? Yeah, and uh, again, I guess the collective, uh, over the course of his career there, if he had stayed in uh, in Gainesville, would have been 13 mil, right? Yes, it would And have the been. collective, uh, I guess they didn't collect any money. <laughs> and uh, so here we go. So the Arizona State is back, man. You've got Jaden Rashada on offense. You've got Clayton Smith on defense. Sun Devils, forks up. They're going to the playoff. Probably not. Have I told you the backstory on where everything went south between Florida and Rashada? I don't think you have, but okay, I'm willing so, to listen. Yeah, basically, the Gator Collective was an organizational dumpster fire. And the people in charge of brokering the deal promised Jaden Rashada $13 million, except the people in charge of providing the money did not realize that they were on the hook for said $13 million. And so they signed off on all the paperwork without ensuring that they had the $13 million to pay the kid. And obviously, if you promise a kid $13 bucks and then don't deliver, there's going to be some conflict after the fact, especially when you wait to let him know that until after he signs his national letter of intent. So that is where things fell apart between Jaden Rashada and the Gators. So uh, you can't you can't blame uh, Jaden Rashada here, right? I no. know a lot of times we look, oh, selfish kid here. What's he thinking? You know, no. I, I mean, he was made a promise, and they didn't deliver on the promise. And here's what people need so, to understand. Jaden Rashada wanted to go to Florida. He did not care about the money. NIL does not matter to the kid as an individual. He is not the one haggling over the value of the dollar with the Gator Collective and the people at Florida. It's never been that way. So it's about the people in his camp, as is so often the case. I feel bad for the kid because he really is a good dude. I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last year or so. And all he wants to do is play ball, and Florida was the place he wanted to be. It's unfortunate that it's not going to work out for him this time around. So uh, money-hungry parents are behind the, most of this. Well, first I, of all, again, the collective didn't do what it said it was going to do, but yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like? Yes. Uh, okay, on the text line here, Brian in Tulsa says, Would the Jeff Levy situation be like mule shoe to Bob? If and when BV retires, is Levy, and I know we don't like this title, but the head coach in waiting, just a thought, 
I think that would make a lot more sense, Brian, if you got the sense that Brent Venable's retirement was maybe not necessarily imminent, but within the foreseeable future. I don't think yeah, Brent Venables right. is done with coaching within the next decade or two. I, I don't either. If he gets his turned around, you know, and uh, with his passion and energy, he's in great – I mean, the guy works out like a maniac. Uh, you know, uh, he looks like he's in tremendous shape. And you know that, uh, again, to me, this would be – would it be like a Muleshoe Jr. kind of thing? Maybe a little bit, not to that scale, obviously. But, again, my deal is I, I just think that Jeff Levy will stay committed to Oklahoma if that situation did arise – I know it's tough to say no to Nick Saban in Alabama, but he does have the OU DNA. He's a Sooner grad, played at OU before he got hurt, obviously, then, uh, you know, became a really uh, well-thought-of coach, no doubt. But to get up there and what these guys have said about culture and everything, which I truly think they believe and they are preaching, uh, and they're very, uh, they're very honest about it. So that way I just couldn't see – Jeff Levy, unless it's Jeff Levy, unless it's an unbelievable raise, you just don't turn down for your family, like way something you don't expect. That guy's not going to be the offensive I just coordinator. Can't see him leaving at this stage. Yeah, he's. You're not going to keep him around for I would say more than yeah. four or five years as OC. How does future Oklahoma head coach Tanner Schaefer sound, Steely? <laughs> there you go. I don't in the year what twenty thirty nine or something. Yeah, there you go. Who knows what it's going to look like? But I'm with you. I think Brent's going to be coaching at Oklahoma for a long time, a long time. So we shall see. All right, got to get out of here for hour number one. I'm here at Riverwind. We want to thank Tim Lasher, his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour. And uh, we've got another hour to go. We've got Brandon Drum coming up on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at 135. We'll get to your texts, talk NFL weekend, a lot more Sooner stuff coming up as well. Stay with us here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Hour number two. Hey, I just met Chapstick on the uh, on the text line. Really? Chapstick was here earlier. Really good guy. Yeah, he dropped by the studio. Yes, really good guy. You know what? He brought a resume because I jokingly told the, I think it was Sooner Bob who I heard plank band today. (laughs) Sooner Bob. That was the guy who said, here's the deal. Since you know everything about radio, bring us your, bring us your resume, bring us your tape, bring us your degree, and you can come in and do a show. I never heard from him again. And I don't mean to sound like I'm real high and mighty, but I was just joking because the guy apparently knows everything there is about radio because he always told us what to do. Now he's gone. But Christopher, nice guy, he jokingly brought his resume by with a with a smile on his face. And uh, Chapstick's always been good on the, uh, on the text line. 405-651-3439. Um, as I was talking to Chapstick, I didn't have time to tell you about a cut I want to play. Let's play the one with the K-State AD with Gene Taylor. This was from Plank Show. And welcome back, by the way. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. I am at my Friday home, Riverwind Casino. Justin, the GM out here, they've got a great marketing team. They always have the best promotions. It is super clean, super friendly. You've got the best bars and dining, a world-class hotel. You've got a great concert venue, the Showplace Theater. It has games in it right now. Uh, But as soon as this renovation is completed, it's going to be awesome again. It's a great 
really cool place to go see a show. Uh, great acoustics. It's a, You're close to the stage. There's not a bad seat in the house. And I am told, again, one of the first shows out when it reopens, if not the first show, will be Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I'm all in, man. September, let's groove tonight. I also like That's the Way of the World. That's probably my personal favorite. That's coming up. It won't be too long before we'll have that show out here. Uh, you know, no official announcement yet, but that's going to be happening. And again, tonight it is uh, Friday night, which means it is steak night at the River Buffet on Saturday night. They have a very popular seafood night, big time brunch on Sunday mornings. Riverwind, great dining, great bars, great restaurants, and of course, great chances to win. And that new member seven program is always available. That means if you come out here, Get yourself a Riverwind wild card. You're going to be eligible for all the drawings they have. You'll even get a few discounts. It's a great thing to have and always be using that. You can earn up to $450 in one day with a new Riverwind wild card. So there's so many reasons why this is Oklahoma City's favorite uh, casino destination. It is because they are simply the best here at Riverwind Casino. Okay. Um, so Plank has the uh, Big 12 show, of course, on Sirius XM, and he had some great stuff today because we're all awaiting the new Big 12 schedule. It's like when Navin Johnson and the jerk got the new phone book, right? He was so excited. The new phone book is here. The new phone book is here. We're waiting for the new Big 12 schedule. Now, I'm normally not a big, ah, man, the schedule's about to be released. This is awesome. But this, this is different totally different parker first of all i was thinking we've talked a lot about well oklahoma's going to get a pro though and and i think they will but a lot of that is sooner fans would like to go to provo they've never beaten byu they're 0-2 against byu the game at jerry world the game in the copper bowl they'd like to go get a win in provo that would be nice but it's also a very scenic beautiful place to play a football game the other thing we've talked about is cincinnati but wouldn't it make sense that they would send Dylan Gabriel back to Orlando to play? What do you think? I mean, I, I think it makes sense if you really care about the narrative arc of Dylan Gabriel's career. The thing is, I'm, I'm not sure that's relevant to the rest of the country outside of OU and UCF circles. So the scheduling people, yeah, I, you're I, probably I, right. I'm not convinced they care that much. It'd be awesome for OU fans. It'd be awesome for UCF fans, too. I think there'd be a lot of interest on both sides of the aisle for that game. But I don't know if it's the type of game that's going to drive crazy TV ratings because there's so much interest from the general public. Yeah, and the one thing is, you know, there's talk about, well, you know, there's probably some haggling going on behind the scenes. Oklahoma State probably does want to play Bedlam, but, you know, and that may be the case. I think that probably would be the case. But the TV execs, you know what brings in good numbers? Bedlam football. They may say, you know what? (laughs) This is one of our biggest draws of the year. Are you kidding me that we wouldn't, you know, send Oklahoma to Stillwater to play the last ever Bedlam game for the foreseeable future? That's a big draw, too. So I don't know. But it's going to be very interesting to see how it works out, what it looks like. Now we're hearing a strong possibility of mid February, but anyway, Chris Plank on his uh, Big 12 show on Sirius XM had the athletic director at K State, Gene Taylor, on, and he asked uh, Gene Taylor about 
you know, the coming season and what he thinks, does he think that K-State will be able to play uh, OU in Texas in this next season? Here's what he had to say. In 2023, I mean, we'd love to play at least one of them if we could. Um, obviously, with, with four new schools coming in, to be able to play both of them when, when they both have to play, you know, their arch rivals, Oklahoma State and, 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 and Oklahoma and Texas and all those, I don't know physically if it's possible, uh, but certainly it would be great to have one of them on the schedule in 2023. And we're going to know, you know, probably here in the next uh, few weeks, hopefully. Can you just kind of give us a little bit of insight, Gene? Has there been contentious discussions about that? I mean, is it as important to other schools to say, hey, we had Texas coming in this year, we had Oklahoma coming in this year. Does, does that factor into these types of conversations or no? They've not been contentious at all. It's it's really just about making sure everybody's on the same page, and, 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 and including Oklahoma and Texas, and how we continue to move forward. And so – they haven't been contentious. Everybody's like, "All right, we'll we'll wait for it when it comes out. We'll be ready for it to come out, and and we'll go with whatever you know lands on our table. We'll have a chance to look at it and make sure whatever schedule comes out meets the general principles of you know how many home games, how many away games, those kind of things." But um, I think all the ads feel pretty comfortable and are patient with uh, ready for it to. We'll be happy when it comes out, so we can move forward. But in the meantime, we're we're going to wait till it does. There you go. That was uh, Gene Taylor on uh, Chris Plank's show on Sirius XM, his Big, Big 12 show uh, that he does with Gabe. And uh, once again, uh, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, this is the one schedule release. And I know the NFL schedule, we make a big deal out of that, too. And that's that's all right. The NFL, of course, keeps uh, it, its name out in the news pretty much year round in one way or another. But. This one, I mean, normally we, we know these schedules in advance. We've known them for a long time. But all we know for Oklahoma next year is Arkansas State at home, SMU at home, at Tulsa, and the Cotton Bowl matchup with Texas. Other than that, we just don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. But, man, it, it can't get here soon enough. Right, Parker? I mean, uh, we've been... We had, I don't know what the UCF AD was thinking when he told us that it was going to be out, you know, like Tuesday of last week. But clearly, uh, you know, they're still working on this deal. But it's uh, big. And, I mean, it, it's guaranteed, right, that Oklahoma and Texas are going to have all four of those teams on their schedule. It's just a matter of where they play, right? Well, yes, eventually they're going to have all four of those teams on this show. I've been laughing at this text for like three minutes straight. Somebody on the text line said, just tuned in. Have you guys talked about insert OU athletic story here yet? If that, if that isn't all uh, yes. day on this show. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, I did get a text, by the way, interesting. I will not name the source. In fact, it's a number I don't recognize, so I don't know if I know the source. And and if I do know you, source, and you text this to me, I apologize. I think there's a very good chance that Sooner Bob is a troll from another radio station. Really? Mm, That's what it says. Who's hiding behind the alias Sooner Bob? A personality? A producer? Who, who are we thinking it is? I don't think it would be a personality. I don't know. 
Might be a salesperson. Could be a producer. You never know. Could be total BS what this uh, person is trying to send me here. And, again, I, I'm sorry if I don't recognize the number, but that's what I got. So, I don't know. The trolls are everywhere. We know that. The trolls are everywhere. We would How get- you like to wake up every day and live your life thinking, who am I going to troll today? <laughs> would you be proud of yourself? Personally, I would not, Steely, but I guess there are certain people that just take all their pride in that type of thing. Because, I, especially with as much as some people tweet, I'm like, do you do anything with your life except trawl Twitter? It legitimately makes you wonder. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big, uh, you know, I don't tweet a lot. I look at Twitter all the time, no doubt. But, I mean, there are people who respond to everything and say something about what they're doing every five minutes. I just don't get it. Um, again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It seems a little narcissistic to me. But, um, you know, that's that's the world we're living in right now. It's not going to be changing anytime soon. It's just like Portal in the NIL, man. It's, like I said, they're not putting that genie back in the bottle uh, anytime soon either. So you either uh, learn how to live with it if you're a coach or a program, and I think most have. I mean, um, but it's uh, it's definitely, do I wish we could put that genie back in the bottle? I do. But, Parker, I'll tell you what, it has made the offseason a little more easy to deal with, right? Because we're all, we've got, and I know for you, <laughs> you got to chase down a lot more stuff. But at least, uh, you know, slower times on the uh, sports calendar. Uh, you know, the portal has made us always, it seems like, have something to talk about. Yeah, and that's that's the nature of college football these days. It's kind of, I, I would say, the one sport where you have a legitimate year-round news cycle. Because there is always stuff happening happening in college football, whether it's recruiting or the portal or the coaching carousel or spring practices, fall camp, the season. Every other sport has legitimate downtime on the calendar, right? Even the NFL, which is probably the most popular sporting entity in America, there are periods of time on the calendar where there just isn't anything happening in the NFL. And the major difference between the NFL and college football is that there is no recruiting in the NFL, and that probably has a lot to do with it. In college football, recruiting is a 24-7, 365 days a year business, and we don't get a break. There is never a break anywhere on the calendar. Yeah, it's uh, and we played, this was after Kirby Smart, you know, Georgia won the national championship the year before, and I remember in his interview with Reese Davis, he was saying the one thing he's worried about with college football, now that you have the portal and recruiting is always the lifeblood of your program, but he says there are a lot of good coaches who don't want to be in college football anymore, and he's seeing more lead because, man, it just it's nonstop. You don't have any family time because you're always chasing the next recruit and dealing with the portal rumor. Um, you know, these guys, you know, we think about what they do on Saturdays, but those guys are busy, man. Uh, all of those guys that recruit on staff, whether it's Oklahoma, wherever, um, they lead very busy lives. And I know they get paid a lot, but believe me, most of those guys are earning it. All right, we're going to break right here. Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, SUV, pre-owned vehicle. They've got them all there. They're always looking for the best pre-owned vehicles, and you know they have the great guarantee after the sale. Oil changes, engines for life 
on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our number two. Coming right back, let's talk a little bit about the NFL weekend coming up. Uh, Some big games, obviously, to talk about. We'll do it next here on The Ref. Riverwind Casino Friday. Love being out here. Teddy Lehman's going to be out here as well a little bit later on this afternoon at 3 o'clock. New member seven promotion again. Come out, get your Riverwind wild card. You can win up to $450 in one day. Best bars, best dining, incredible hotel, best promotions. What's not to like? That's why Riverwind Casino is Oklahoma City's favorite casino destination. Year after year after year, they are simply the best. Okay. Uh, it looks like, Parker, that, you know, I know we'll watch the uh, the Saturday games. Jacksonville at Kansas City, 3.30 on NBC. Chiefs are a nine-point favorite, biggest spread of the weekend. Then you have the Giants at Philadelphia on Fox Saturday nights. And uh, Eagles are a seven-and-a-half-point pick in that one. Bengals at Buffalo starts uh, everything off Sunday at 2 o'clock on CBS. Bills favored by five-and-a-half. And then the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers wrap up the weekend Um out in California, 49ers, a four-point pick in that game, 5 o'clock or uh, actually 5.30 on Fox. Hey, you know, America's favorite Dallas Cowboys fan, right, Skip Bayless? Everybody loves Skip Bayless. Skip said the other day that if Dak plays like he did Monday night, look out for the Cowboys. I do believe something happened at Tampa on Monday night. I do believe I saw a different Dak. I saw a much better Dak than I have ever seen over seven years. I saw somebody who suddenly had complete command of that position in ways I've not seen before. I saw somebody who got a hold of it, who seized it by the throat and said, I I got this. I saw somebody who looked like he's finally figured it out. They carry this momentum all the way across the country into San Francisco Stadium they can beat San Francisco, yeah. but he has to play at the level he yeah. played at Tampa. I saw, the, I saw the same sign that you saw. It had danger ahead. Huh. Steep cliff. All right. Well, you could be right. <laughs> uh, Shannon Sharp's responses are pretty good. I like it. So is there? It, that was the best game that I've seen Dak play in a really meaningful game. That was the best I've seen him play. And you can talk about, Al oh, Tampa Bay's been beat up. They're not any good, blah, blah, blah. I get it, but he was in command. What do you think about uh, the Cowboys 49ers matchup? Yeah, well, look, the Buccaneers had been beat up, and they weren't a very good football team. But one thing they have had over the past few years is a pretty strong secondary. And to see Dak pick them apart the way that he did, no, I'd... <laughs> Look, I've been on the Dak train a long, long time. I don't understand why that guy takes as much flack and as much slander as he does. But that's a quarterback that can win a Super Bowl one day. I'm not saying it happens this year. But if you get to a point where everything gets right in Big D, Dak Prescott can be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Now, I think the way that the NFC is shaping up down the stretch here, Dak's got a really good chance to at least get to the big game this year because – yeah, the 49ers are a good football team, but I I wonder how long it's going to be until the magic runs out for Brock Purdy because it's been super fun to watch what he's been able to do, right? But we've seen this before from backup quarterbacks at times, and 
in general, it doesn't last forever. I made the comparison to Tim Tebow back in the 2011 postseason, right, when it felt like for the second half of that season and on into the NFL playoffs, Tim Tebow could do no wrong. It was like King Midas. Everything he touched turned to gold. But eventually, he hit a wall against the New England Patriots in the divisional round. So when's the crash down to earth going to come for Brock Purdy? Maybe it doesn't come. Maybe the 49ers go all the way to the Super Bowl. Who's to say? But I get the sense that at some point in time, there's going to be a defense that gets the better of Brock Purdy. And I think with what Dan Quinn was able to do against Tom Brady last week uh, and the way that he was able to curtail the greatest of all time's impact on that football game, I think if you're a Cowboys fan, you <laughs> you know better than to get overly optimistic about this game, but I think you're cautiously optimistic about Dallas's odds to go to San Francisco, win the game, and put themselves in position to go to the Super Bowl the following weekend. You know who's playing for the NFC Championship next week? It's going to be Jalen Hurts against Brock Purdy. It is going to be a Big 12 rematch, Jalen Hurts against Brock Purdy. Uh, Can the Cowboys go there and win? Yes, but I don't know. The 49ers, um, I I like the 49ers to win a close ball game. That should be a heck of a game. That should be a heck of a game. And uh, personally, I'd like to see the Cowboys win. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb, and I just think if the Cowboys got to the Super Bowl, that would be a lot of fun. But um, I expect the 49ers to win a close ball game. Uh, Bengals and Buffalo, emotional. Uh, we know what happened, you know, uh, recently with DeMar Hamlin and uh, what's going on since has been uh, miraculous in many ways. It's It's awesome. But that Bengals-Buffalo matchup also 2 o'clock on CBS is going to be a lot of fun. And, again, Saturday, to me, Saturday is like a pretty good appetizer, like a blooming onion. But the full-course meal, the really good meal is coming Sunday, right? I mean, yes, as is generally the case in the NFL playoffs. The NFL traditionally puts its best games there on Sunday, the ones that it knows are going to do well. Um, I... I like the way that the NFL playoffs and the way that the playoff picture is shaping up this year, Steely, because I I always love a year where it doesn't seem like one team is head and shoulders above the rest. And that seems to be the case this year as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Philly looks really good. Yeah, Kansas City always looks really good. And yeah, like I mentioned, what Brock Purdy is doing in San Francisco has caught everybody by surprise, and it's fun to watch right now. But if you told me that any of the eight teams left in the playoff picture could end up playing four slash winning the Super Bowl with the possible exception of Jacksonville. I'd be like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend, especially looking forward to Sunday. All right. I am here at Riverwind. We got Brandon drum coming up. Let's spend as much time as we can with Brandon and uh, talk a little sooner recruiting and more coming up. Brandon uh, does a great job with us every Friday on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, OUinsider.com. Partner, partners with, partner, with Parker on that uh, worldwide award-winning podcast as well. So we'll check in with Brandon Drum, talking what else, Sooner football and recruiting, next right here on The Ref. We are back 
I am here at Riverwind. Parker back in the Buffalo Wild Wing studios. We are awaiting Brandon Drum. The man makes many phone calls, Parker. He makes many phone calls. He could be talking uh, to a top prospect right now, getting inside information, right? Could be happening. It could be happening. So we'll await Brandon. And uh, it's a busy weekend, and you've got, uh, for OU Athletics, it's a huge weekend, obviously, with uh, all of these home games happening or meets uh, in this case as well. You've got the Sooner Men hosting Baylor tomorrow again at 3 o'clock on ESPN2. Don't forget our pregame show at uh, 405 Burger Bar tomorrow on Main Street in Norman, right there in the heart of Main Street, 405 Burger Bar, 1 to 2.30 for our pregame show for OU Baylor tomorrow. And uh, then the Sooner Women hosting Bedlam, Oklahoma State, and uh, Jenny Baranchek's squad go at it at 6 o'clock on ESPN Plus tomorrow night. But they have the 4 for 40 ticket deal again. $40 gets you four tickets, gets you in to see Baylor and OU and the men's matchup at 3 o'clock and the ladies' Bedlam matchup at 6 o'clock. Heck of a deal. Uh, and we also have, of course, the OU uh, wrestling team at home tonight. You've got uh, the gymnastics squad in action on Sunday, so it's going to be a big weekend uh, for Sooner fans. So we, we talked yesterday, uh, the OU spring game date was set April 22nd. Now, last year, again, the Sooners sold the place out. Now, you can bet that Brent Venables is going to try and do the same thing again. Can they get another sellout? Uh, it's, it's possible. We'll have to wait and see. But that's going to be very interesting to see. I, I would think that you know, for years and years and years, Parker, you're a Nebraska native. It was Nebraska who always had these amazing crowds at spring football games. So do you think uh, the Sooners, you know, kind of become the new standard there, If they, uh, particularly if they sell it out again? Um, you know, maybe Oklahoma becomes the new standard there. Yeah, perhaps, but I think you also have to consider that Nebraska is about to have a spring game that is going to be high among public interest once again because i as i recall their spring game last game or last year was not very well attended just because everybody was kind of out on scott frost at that point there wasn't really anything to get excited about surrounding nebraska football but now you got matt rule at the helm you got a program that the state of nebraska and husker nation is legitimately stoked about that they believe in once again uh, there's all that buzz that maybe, just maybe, Nebraska ends up the landing spot for Dylan Riola, the number one consensus prospect in the 2024 class at the quarterback position. And so I I think Nebraska is probably going to remain the standard when it comes to spring game attendance because the new era of Husker football is going to command that kind of attention from the fan base and to a greater extent from the state of Nebraska because – Growing up there, I can attest to this, Steely. Literally the entire state is all in on Nebraska football. You will find a Kansas State fan every now and then. You will run across the occasional Sooner fan. Heck, you might encounter a few Iowa fans. But the vast majority of that state, they care about Husker football. That is what they're primarily invested in. And when there's a reason to get excited about Nebraska football and about their program – about the Scarlet and Cream, they're going to make the journey out to Memorial Stadium, even if it is for an exhibition environment. So 
I think I, I've said this before. I'll bet you Oklahoma has about eighty percent of what their crowd was last year. I don't. I don't know if we'll ever see another spring game crowd that rivals what we had a year ago. But I'd bet you get fifty, fifty-five thousand people out there to Owen Field this time around. Yeah, and I think a lot of what happened last year, it was a statement from Oklahoma fans to say, you know what, we're not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere. There was a lot of animosity with Muleshoe leaving, and it was a weird mix, the animosity with Muleshoe and the excitement and the exuberance with this new staff coming in and thinking about, man, they're going to start playing defense. And I know it didn't translate this year, but I, I think it was a statement by Oklahoma fans who collectively came together with Brent Venables leading the way and saying, you know what? We're Oklahoma football. We are not going anywhere. And uh, I, 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 you won't have that same exuberance uh, this year, I, I'm, I don't think. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what the turnout uh, looks like. All right. Uh, Brandon Drum's going to be joining us here in just a second. We'll have to make a pretty quick call with Brandon, but we can do that and get all your information in. Uh, once again, want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring uh, hour number two here on Steelman and Thune at noon. Great selection, great deals out there. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley and the incredible guarantee from Seth himself. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Here at Riverwind Casino on another fabulous Friday, Riverwind Casino, my home away from home. They really are simply the best. All right, uh, let's bring in our friend, Mr. Brandon Drum, ladies and gentlemen, uh, OUinsider.com. Brandon, uh, we will keep it to oh, six or seven minutes here, but let's start out with uh, Michael yep. Hawkins. All this talk, you know, with Kendall Bryles uh, going from Arkansas to TCU. Now, it's Tuesday. I think it is a Tuesday, January 31st, that he makes his decision. Uh, what's your comfort level on Michael Hawkins committing to Oklahoma now? Uh, pretty comfortable. Uh, I know Oklahoma put out a you know Walker White offer yesterday, uh, 2024, four-star quarterback out of Little Rock uh, Christian Academy. But, uh, I mean, I, <clears throat> I think that's more of a, a backup at this point. Um, I think they feel pretty good about where they stand with Michael Hawkins. I think they just want to make sure that you know, he understands that if he starts to push his timetable back or whatnot, I think Oklahoma will start recruiting some other guys as well. So, but at this point, I, I think you know this is this is Oklahoma all the way. Um, I would be shocked if you know it goes elsewhere. Uh, being that he's a legacy, has always wanted to be a Sooner, and even when Kendall Bryles was at Arkansas, it was it seemed to be still Oklahoma most of the time. There was always some buzz about the Hogs, but never enough that made you think, uh, he's, he's going to go elsewhere. So um, I like where Oklahoma stands. It's obviously recruiting. Shocks do happen, but I don't think that's going to happen here. Brandon, what are your early impressions <laughs> as to what the hiring of Emmett Jones is going to do for Oklahoma's ability to recruit, A, elite wide receivers, and B, the state of Texas, specifically one of – the state's elite high school programs in South Oak Cliff, where Jones was formerly the head coach? Well, I think it's huge. Uh, obviously, he was at Dallas Skyline. He's got a lot of Texas connections with the coaches around the state. I think that, that that's going to service Oklahoma a lot more than anything else. I think when you have the Texas high school 
coaches on your side. That's such a big fraternity. It's hard to to deal with that. You see that with Texas, Texas A&M. They 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 do a lot of you know messing around and and getting out there and you know building up a a big bond with those coaches and. I think at the end of the day, that's where it, where it ends, you know, I think, and begins. You, you've got to have that, and I think with Emma Jones on staff, I think that gives Oklahoma another piece that they've been looking for on the recruiting trail, and they already have a really good set there. And I think when you lose Cole Gundy, who had a really good bond with the Texas high school coaches, uh, to get somebody like Emma Jones, who is just, that's what he does, that's who he was coming up through the ranks, uh, a lot like Joey McGuire, that's hard to beat. Brandon Drum, our guest, OU Insider 247 Sports, of course, joining us every Friday right here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, we all know what happened with uh, the DJ Hicks recruitment a year ago. Is there any chance the, uh, the um, David Stone recruitment follows that same path? I'm not saying he chooses somebody else, but just it – it plays out, and you might have some surprises here and there. Do you think that is a possibility? Oh, I, I think anything's possible with NIL. I think fans need to wrap their heads around that, that that is how things play out. I mean, you saw, look, Walter Rouse was going to Nebraska, and he flips the day before he shows up in Norman. I mean, obviously that's a transfer, but that's that's a prime example. Peyton Bowen's another prime example. I mean, there is a lot of things that can happen in today's recruiting world. So you, you never want to say anything is 100% guaranteed, uh, but you feel pretty good. I mean, talking to people that I know, uh, obviously there are some people around David Stone that want him out of the state because of some negative influences um, that may cause an issue with him. If you potential issue, if he came back to Oklahoma, but I, but when you talk to other people, they're like, no, he's too mature for that. He doesn't do any of that type of stuff. Maybe his group that he hung around with when he was younger, maybe they had some issues here or there, but that's not who he is. His sister goes to OU. So there's a lot of connections there. And then when he's back in the state, I mean, he spends a lot of time with Coach Bates. If it's an open uh, time in recruitment, I mean, there's a lot of time where he goes down there and sits in the office and just hangs out with Coach Bates and uh, the OU staff, I'm told, and uh, I think he has the best relationship with them. Uh, he says that when he talks about talks to uh, you know, obviously reporters. I just don't think that I, I, if you were to ask me right now, you know, kind of, you know, put a gun to the head type deal, I would probably say, you know, he's going to Oklahoma, and I, I still contend that. I mean, the same thing with the Davian Sims. I just think there's a relationship there that's hard to beat that Todd Bates has already built. Uh, and when you add that they're both ran by Sean Cooper, you know, down there in Durant, uh, they go through that organization. I just think that his relationship with the OU staff is so strong that uh, it, OU is going to be very, very, very hard to beat here. Brandon, before we let you go, uh, it seems that people are just unwilling to let this Jeff Levy to Alabama buzz die. Can you Do you mind just addressing that briefly? Oh, man. Um, I mean, now the Ravens, I guess, is his name's, you know, been connected with the Ravens potentially as far as offensive coordinators go. Um, 
I mean, I just I don't see it. Uh, I, I look. Alabama is the one place that I would say if he was going to choose to not to go be an OC somewhere, that would be the place I would probably say that that would be where he would go. That would be where any offensive coordinator would go if they were going to make a sideways move uh, before they became a head coach. That's just that's common sense. The program's elite. Nick Saban, you know, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, he's an OU alum. Oklahoma's his school. They were 6-7 and seven last year, and it's really hard to fathom that he would want to leave the program like that. And basically, I mean, what it would do, it would, it would make it hard for him to ever come back if he wanted an aspiration to be a head coach here, if it ever opened back up. So I don't know that he would want to burn that bridge knowing what Oklahoma is as a program, uh, and the potential for him to be a head coach here at OU here in the next, you know, decade or so. So um, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. And then when you add Dylan Gabriel coming back, I don't think he's coming back to Oklahoma if Jeff Levy's leaving. It wouldn't make sense for him to want to learn another offensive system. And you just added the arguably the top quarterback in the 2023 class the equation and I just don't see him trying to walk away from that I think you got Levy for another year or two uh, and then I think you could see him taking a head coaching job somewhere he's already turned down a couple head coaching jobs to stay at Oklahoma so to make a move to be an OC somewhere to me it just doesn't make sense and I think Oklahoma understands that as well and I think you could probably see them compensate him a little bit more uh, give him a little bit extra behind-the-scenes stuff that he's looking for, maybe in the recruiting world, maybe in the NIL world, stuff like that, promises like that, putting his contract. Um, those are the type of things I, I could see happening to make sure that Levy doesn't walk or go somewhere else and that you have one of the top offensive coordinators in the country still around Norman in 24 or 23 and 24 potentially. Brandon, we appreciate it. Have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you guys later. Brandon Drum, OU Insider 247 Sports, joining us every Friday right here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right. Let's take a break right here. We've got one final segment to go. Mike Steely here at Riverwind. You get Parker back in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. Don't forget our pregame tomorrow for OU Baylor basketball at 405 Burger Bar in the heart of Main Street. In lovely Norman, Oklahoma. God's country, right? 1 to 2.30 tomorrow. 4.05 Burger Bar for Sooner Baylor pregame. 1 to 2.30 tomorrow. Come on out and have lunch. Then head over to the LNC and watch Oklahoma Baylor. Coming right back here on The Ref. We are back. A couple minutes left. I'm here at Riverwind Casino. Fridays are always big out here. Your chance to come out and win. If you don't have a wild card, get one. Become part of the new Member 7 program. You can win up to $450 in your first 24 hours with a brand-new Riverwind wild card. You're going to get some discounts. You play with your wild card. You've got your wild card right there where it's supposed to be while you're playing a game. You could win any of the giveaways. You'll... At some point, hear your name called over the intercom to win something out here at Riverwind. Get that wild card. Again, the new Member 7 program is big time. Uh, went up to $450 in one day. Also, Friday night is steak night over at the River Buffet. Then on Saturday, 
Always popular seafood night. Sunday's a great brunch. They have a world-class hotel attached to the casino right here. Renovations continue. The areas that have already been remodeled and uh, touched up look unbelievable. And uh, I would say we're uh, getting in the, the, the early stage of the fourth quarter now and finishing up the renovation. Won't be too long. I know we have gaming right now. A non-smoking gaming area in the Showplace Theater. But before you know it, the Showplace Theater is going to be back hosting some great uh, artists and bands. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire will be out early. We do know that. No official announcement. It's not like you can get your tickets yet. But believe me, it's coming. And that's going to be a great situation. Plus, Beats and Bites this summer. Uh, Always something to do. You can win and always dine well and be entertained here at Riverwind Casino. So, Parker, what's on uh, what's on your schedule this weekend? Do you get any R and R and all, or are you off to see another prospect? Well, I'm going to be headed down to Dallas tomorrow to see a number of potential, well, offers and potential offers for Oklahoma in the 2024 and 2025 classes. Uh, one of those guys that I'm going to be checking in with is one Michael Hawkins, hopefully. So. Uh, gonna get the latest on him as decision approaches on January 31st for the four-star quarterback out of Frisco Emerson High School. So yeah, I will be spending tomorrow in the Metroplex and then taking it easy on Sunday, ideally. There you go. So you'll get a little rest, a little bit of rest. It's going to be a busy weekend. Again, we've got uh, Baylor at the Sooners tomorrow, 3 o'clock, ESPN2 telecast at the LNC. Uh, the Sooner women will host the Cowgirls for Bedlam at 6 o'clock tomorrow night at the Lloyd Noble Center. And, again, they've got the 4 for 40 deal, four tickets, $40, get you in to see the men's game at 3 o'clock and the ladies' game at 6 o'clock. That's a heck of a deal. And they've got a wideout at the LNC tomorrow. So, uh uh, Joe Castiglione is going to wear something very interesting. He'll probably have a white fedora, would be my guess. Or can you wear a fedora indoors? I, maybe that's against the rules. But Joe C. will be styling. He always is. And don't forget our pregame for Oklahoma Baylor tomorrow uh, at the 405 Burger Bar on Main Street in Norman. If you uh, are coming to the game, come by early. Get yourself a great lunch. At a 405 Burger Bar tomorrow, pregame for the Sooners and the Baylor Bears uh, from 1 to 2.30 right here tomorrow on the ref. I think I need to go see my man Daryl Ray tonight, get some barbecue. That sounds really good. OU Ronnie texted me, or I'm sorry, tweeted me, Steely, who is the most interesting Sooner player you ever covered? Um, Bosworth would probably be an easy answer, but the most interesting one that I covered would be Marcus Dupree, just based on how he was here and gone so quickly, and he was he was like the uh, the meteor that came through Tulsa, right? Or not through Tulsa, but was captured on video by people around the Tulsa area. Uh, he was like the Marcus Dupree comet. He was unbelievable. Did you see that, by the way? I know we've got about a minute left, Parker, but did you see video of the meteor that a lot of uh, people around the Tulsa area caught on video camera? You think the aliens are coming with the meteor? I heard about the meteor. I didn't see the video. Is it like that that one that looks greenish? Just go ahead and go- Twitter it up, uh, meteor, and you will see a lot of the videos. Yes, there's one. Uh, there's some others that don't have the green. But what was the uh, group, I uh, can't remember, that thought the aliens were coming at the end of that comet and they all wore the Nikes and, 
it didn't work out very well. It was not good. But uh, that interesting, man, very interesting. Uh, if you haven't seen that video, I saw that very early this morning. All right, we got to get out of here. Want to thank Justin, the crew here at Riverwind. They're awesome. Keep in mind, our man Teddy Lehman will be here at 3 o'clock as well. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Thank you to all the texters this week. We appreciate you, 99.9% of you. Have a great weekend. Locked in, coming up next.